Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is rolling along here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance and my guests like Matt Light in 15 minutes and Dan Orlovsky after that on the Goodyear Hotline. Again, today's green list, which we just did, is inauguration themed. We did the top 10 people in sports with presidential names. We'd had to do top 10. We usually do top five. But there were just too many good ones here, so we did 10. Lincoln Kennedy, Lincoln Riley, Earl Monroe, Gary Carter, Vince Carter, Reggie Jackson, Reggie Bush, Paul Pierce, Lawrence Taylor, and Magic Johnson. Very quickly, Bubba, if I could circle back on Zachary Taylor. You said that he died from consuming copious amounts of raw fruit? It gave me a moment. I had a moment to think about that. Right. You can die from that? I mean, I, you, I eat a lot of fruit. And is it all fruit raw? Like, I mean, I guess you could have stewed prunes or apple pie, but generally speaking, you know, give me a peach, a plum, a banana. You're eating his fruit raw. How much fruit did he eat? Well, according to the documents here, it was copious amounts of raw fruit and also iced milk. So let's not forget He's including raw fruit and iced milk, and it's copious amounts, and it's also 1850, so I mean... Well, but people just died of random things in 1850, Yeah, I mean, pretty much, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were I human am. beings. Can I also ask you a question? What Fine. word are you saying after the word iced? <laughs> I'm saying milk. What do, you, what do you think I'm saying? How are you spelling that? M-I-L-K. And you pronounce it how? Milk. Not milk? Milk. You pronounce it Milk. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm very attuned, as as anyone who knows me knows, I'm very attuned to voices and speech patterns and things like that. And I, I know other people who use, who say that that way, who yeah. say milk that way. And, and, and it doesn't bother me. I'm not, it's my Connecticut accent. I'm not critical of you for it, but I, I just, I find it. Sounds a little critical. And I don't mean it critically. I, I'm much more interested. I need you to do a little research into the copious amounts of fruit that Zachary Taylor ate. And that was what cost him yeah, his it's, life. It's 1850. Again, copious I, amounts of anything. I think it's going to be a problem for Zachary. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that that was true in 1850. Okay. No, you do. Let's get to the sports news of the day, if we can. Um, Philip Rivers announcing his retirement. We opened the show talking about him. 17 sensational seasons. You know, he's going to go down as one of the great quarterbacks not to win a championship. He goes on that list with Marino. He is, to me, a step below Marino on the pecking order of all-time great quarterbacks. But he's in that conversation. And he's there, you know, with the Charles Barkleys and the Carl Malones, the all-time great players. First ballot Hall of Famers never to win a championship. He had the great misfortune of running into Tom Brady three times in the playoffs. He is the only quarterback to lose to Brady three times in the playoffs. And, uh, and so we will talk more about him with Orlovsky as we go on. But I posed the question earlier. Who is the player in sports right now with the most pressure? And I will now answer it. I believe Kyrie Irving has unimaginable pressure. Now, I have been, if you've been listening to the show, much less critical of him for the things that have happened over the course of the last three weeks since he left the team and felt he needed a break and all the rest of that. I've told you many times I do not think that his actions are being driven by a lack of professionalism or by narcissism, but genuinely by a person who needs some help. And I understand a little bit about how that feels. And so I am much more inclined to generally give him the benefit of the doubt. But it does not change the fact that his departure is going to put a lot of pressure on him Because while he was away, the team went out and traded for James Harden. Harden and Kevin Durant played two games together and looked sensational, have combined for 138 points and won two good games, including beating Milwaukee, one of the teams they'll have to beat to get to the finals. And now all of a sudden you inject Kyrie in there 
And based upon those two games, plus I think the fact that a lot of people are just going to have it in for Kyrie, if anything goes wrong, it's his fault. I believe he's now in a position where anything that goes wrong is going to be his fault. So I think he is the player who has the most pressure on them of anybody. And I don't think it's unreasonable to say that isn't necessarily a role that suits him. I think that it is clear that, and again, he's done a lot of wonderful things. I'm not sitting here being critical of Kyrie Irving, but I'm not sure being the player with the most pressure on them of any in the NBA is a role that suits him well. So let's see how that plays itself out. Having said that, I will now say the last thing you were expecting anyone to say about him. I had Jay Will on to get up this morning, Jay Will, the J in KJZ. And obviously he's a Duke guy, Kyrie's a Duke guy. They've known each other forever. And I asked Jay Will, how do you expect him to blend with the other two superstars? And Jay Will brought up this as the one to watch the most carefully. When it comes to the end of the game, I think everybody needs to be on the same page about Kevin Durant needs to get an end-of-game shot or James Harden. That pecking order is something to pay attention to. How will it work? Will it go KD, James Harden, Kyrie? Will it go KD, Kyrie, James Harden? I think that's the thing to pay attention to in the game or in the shot clock scenarios. All right, so that's, that's clear. As we get towards the end of the season and get into the playoffs, if these three guys are playing together, who gets the ball at the end of these games? Who takes the big shot? And no one loves the NBA more than my producer, Nuno. So, Nuno, I want you to open your mic and I want you to react to what I'm about to say. This is what I meant when I said, I'm going to say the last thing you were expecting to hear. But I will say that if there is a big shot to be taken late in a playoff game, and my options are those three guys, I want Kyrie Irving taking that shot. I want Kyrie taking that shot well ahead of James Harden and even ahead of Kevin Durant. Nuno, your reaction? I would say definitely ahead of Harden. The KD one is a toss-up to me because we've seen KD, especially during those finals, just hit shot after shot after shot. And yes, Kyrie hit one, uh, and it was a big one, but I feel like it has to be KD. Here's why I will say I'm not 100% bought in on KD in that spot. KD was on a team that wasn't getting beaten no matter what happened. The two championships KD won when he joined the Warriors, for which I have never been critical of him, but I have said repeatedly was the worst thing that could have possibly happened to the NBA because it took all the suspense out of it. His team wasn't losing if he missed any of those shots. His team was just too good to lose. You know the expression, too big to fail? They were too good to lose. I think that the pressure in that circumstance was not what other people might suggest it is. I'm telling you, just having watched their careers, you put the ball in one of those guys' hands late in the game because I need a big shot made, not not because he made the one in those finals, the one that knocked out Golden State in that game seven on the road, but just having watched them. To me, Kyrie is the guy I want taking that shot. He can create his own shot as well as anybody, and that includes Harden and it includes KD. And I think he's the guy who goes up and takes it and more than anyone else believes it's going in in the biggest of moments. That's what I think. I'd be interested to hear what you think. I'm on Twitter at hashtag Greeny, Greeny with a Y. Tweet a thought at me if you're interested in that. As the week goes on, Nuno, let's get someone on to talk about that. Get Jay Will or Jalen or or one of my crew and see what they think of that opinion because that's a take I will defend. In a big moment, while he is the third best player on that team, in a big moment, He's the first one I want taking that shot. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. Earlier today on Greeny. When you look at those three quarterbacks from the 04 class, Eli, Rivers, Ben, if you ask me which one was the best, which one was the best quarterback, I think I would say Rivers. I think I would pick Rivers as the best of those three players. But he's going to go down as the least accomplished. And my next guest is part of the reason for that. Philip Rivers, who announces his retirement today after 17 sensational seasons in the National Football League, will, will go down as the only quarterback ever to lose to Tom Brady three times in the playoffs. And that means he kept running into the Patriots, which means he also ran into three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Light, who joins me here on the Goodyear Hotline. Good morning, Matt Light. Well, good morning, sir. How are we? I'm great. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And it wasn't what I was the first thing I was planning to ask you, but we do have that news today. Uh, you obviously your teams played against uh, um, Philip Rivers, really good Chargers teams for years. He retires today. What can you tell me about Philip Rivers? What, what will you remember about him as a player? You know, I, I had to tell you, as an offensive lineman, one of the things that first comes to mind really has nothing to do with what he did on the field is what he did off the field and talking to several good buddies of mine that were offensive linemen there, you know, with rivers and that entire crew. And, and yeah, they had some incredible seasons, but what they did in the off season comes to mind first. And I can remember hearing about how rivers took his line up to like a glacier in Alaska to have wine and cheese and all this other stuff. And I thought, man, I got to get Brady on this whole, you know, take your offensive lineman out in the middle of nowhere and have fun kind of thing, riding four wheelers and all that. But you know, what a great guy, awesome, awesome player. You know, we, we love the battles against the Chargers back in the day. And, you know, hey, he had, a, he had a heck of a 17-year career. No question about it. Brady probably wouldn't have the wine or the cheese, right? Those won't go with the, the whole TB12 thing. Yeah, no wine, no cheese, no strawberries, and lots of hydration. <laughs> so that's a lot less fun. That just sounds like a lot less fun than hanging out with Philip Rivers. The great Matt Light is with me here. All right, let's talk. Here is Brady still doing it. He's 43 years old. He, he looks at times as good as he ever has, and he's one win away from going to another Super Bowl. What are you seeing, and how in the world is he doing this? 
Well, I mean, I think it was really clear, you know, just even even last Sunday watching, you know, his throwing motion, watching, you know, how he communicated with the entire team in real time. I mean, there's just nobody that does it more fluid with more confidence than that guy. I mean, you know, sure, he's seen it all. He's done it all. He's experienced about everything. But every year presents new challenges. And, you know, I, I looked at this season and I said, you know, it's going to take a while, not for him to get on the same page with the other guys, but it's always trying to figure out how quickly can he get the guys around him to really understand how he plays the game. And I think you see that most of those guys have got that figured out. They're playing as good a football as they've played all season, you know, especially last weekend. No question. And they're, they are ever since their bye week, they look like an entirely different offense. And one of the observations that we've made about that is that it feels as though they've changed their philosophy a little. And their, and their coach, Bruce Arian, said the other day, one of the differences is I let Brady coach a little bit. Sometimes I just sit back and watch. They didn't let him do that in New England. That kind of jumped off the page at me. What, what do you recall about that? How much input would Brady generally have into what you guys were doing offensively in New England? Well, there was a lot of input, but I think a lot of that input happened throughout the week leading up to the game. I'm not sure that there was probably as much freelancing in, in game time situations as there probably is down there in Tampa. And I think, you know, you brought up a good point, you know, after the buy, after they had a little bit of a break, you know, there's interesting things that happen, right? They're able to break down film, relax a little bit, look at things a little bit differently. And it's, it's amazing how, you know, w- without the preseason, right? Like you, you think about this season as a whole, these guys ha- didn't have a chance to do all the little things that, they could have done in previous seasons to get on the same page. So it took a while. And I think what you saw coming out of that break is that they had a, they had finally had time to pump the brakes long enough to look at these things and really make those little tiny changes and probably have that comfort level to say, Hey man, okay, if you see that, just do it. And I think that's what you see now. Yeah. And Arians, Owning up to it, and, and for the longest time, they looked like a little bit of no-risk-it, no-biscuit, and now they look a whole lot more like the Patriots, and that obviously worked really well. Three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Light is with me here. You sound like you're obviously ke- keeping close eye on all these things. Let me ask you about the AFC quickly. If Mahomes can't play, do you give his team much chance to beat Buffalo Sunday? Uh, you know, I, I think he will play. I mean, I feel as though that that's what we're going to get, and and that's not, you know – that, that, that's not making light of, of a concussive episode or anything like that. I just mm. think that there's certain people that can, you know, overcome some of those moments better than others, uh, let's say. And, and I think you are going to see him. If he's not out there, it's going to make things a lot more difficult. Look, you know, what the Bills are doing and what they've been doing for quite some time, you know, has them pretty hungry. And, and I, I have a hard time believing they're not going to go in there and play the best that they've, they've been able to play all season as well. It's going to be a dogfight. Even if Mahomes is out there, though, I think the Bills have a real chance of walking out of there with a win. They're playing great right now. That is no question. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. One more thing for you, Matt. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. I do something called Tell Me a Story. You played with Drew Brees in college at Purdue. He wound up being the first pick of the second round of the NFL draft and probably played his last game on Sunday. Tell me a story about playing with Drew Brees at Purdue. <laughs> I love story time, man. I've, I've lived my life in a story. 
Um, you know, look, it, it, one of the things that stands out with Drew, you know, people people can look at his career, and there's so many different things you can talk about, and you know, longevity is part of that. But but that guy came out of the gate when he when he got to Purdue, it was noticeable that there was something really unique and special about him. But one of the things that was great about Drew is that he could drop. You know, there, there's a little game the quarterbacks play. Cause that's all quarterbacks do. They just, you know, they hang out. They get to play pass, throw balls to their buddies, and have a good time. But when they would be training, they, they would try to drop the football or hit a barrel, right? You've seen mm-hmm. quarterbacks do this probably mm-hmm. when they're practicing. Drew Brees could not only hit the barrel, Drew Brees would put the ball in the barrel. Now, mm-hmm. that may seem like not that difficult of a task, but it is. It's almost impossible to do. And I can remember watching that dude on the field just dropping footballs into barrels from different yardages at will, like it, it, at any point. The guy's always been phenomenal. But the last thing I'll leave you with on story time with Drew Brees mm-hmm. is that, you know, that little mark on his face, right? Yeah. That little birthmark, right? Yeah. We had a name for it, okay? We called it Pernick. And I can't remember exactly how that came about, but we used to do a lot of rookie skits back in the day when he was a young player. And, uh, you know, we, we used to have a lot of fun with Pernick, and, th- and that was usually, you know, one of the highlights of, uh, of the rookie skit time. That is hilarious. You actually had a name for the birthmark on his face, and the name was we Pernick. Did. That's hilarious. Matt, that's yep. awesome. Hey, it's great to catch up with you. This, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Let's do it again sometime soon. Sounds good, brother. Take care. You too. That's Matt Light, three-time Super Bowl champ from the Patriots, who's obviously still paying close attention to all the stuff that is going on around there and, and knows exactly what it's like to play with Brady and played again with Drew Brees and Pernick at Purdue. Dan Orlovsky will join me coming up next around the NFL. We'll go, and we check in again on the green list to figure out just what happened with all this raw fruit. We'll explain. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance and coming to you live, as always, from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. My favorite days are the ones when my friend Dan Orlovsky is in here talking quarterback play with me. And today we're not only going to do quarterback conversation with Orlovsky, but we have a little U.S. history we have to talk about as well on this inauguration day. Hello, Dan Orlovsky. 
Bernie, what's going on, man? What's we're going gonna, on? We're going to get to that in a minute. But we're going to start with the quarterback stuff, and we're going to start with Rivers. So Philip Rivers announcing today that he is retiring after 17 seasons. I'm, I'm really interested to hear, as you, if you were to describe what Philip Rivers' career was and what he was as a quarterback, how would you do it? One of the greatest competitors the NFL has ever seen, no matter what the position is. Uh, Philip Rivers is everything that you want bundled up into a ball if you're starting and teaching an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old quarterback of how to do it. He's uh, an incredible teammate. His teammates loved him. His offensive line loved him. That's something as a young quarterback you get taught. Get your offensive line to love you. Endear yourself to them. Um, Never be scared to throw the football into a tight window. Um, Always stand there. You know, you stare down the gun barrel and make that throw. Phillip Rivers is notorious for that stuff. One of the toughest we've ever had at the position in the NFL. So my my mind, an absolute no-brainer Hall of Famer. He's had every bit as good of a career as Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. They just happen to have two Super Bowl runs each. Um, But he did not go, or he did not not go on a Super Bowl run because of his own poor play. So uh, obviously an incredible career. Totally agree. The one thing you wouldn't teach an eight-year-old kid is that throwing motion, though, right? Like, how did he how did he throw the ball that way? Yeah, the the story is um, that you know his, his father was a longtime high school coach, and Philip would just go to the practices at an early age and start picking up the football that was obviously too big for his hand and throw it, and they never changed it. How did he throw it? Uh, you know, throwing a football looks differently, Greeny. At the end of the day, uh, turn torque, get the right release and be super smart with it. And when you can place it wherever you wanted, and you've got, again, he's got probably millions of reps of throwing a football from his early age. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's very much so like Jim Furyk's golf swing. doesn't matter how it gets there. It just gets there. 100%. It did. And it is, it is however, I think the most, by far, the most unusual throwing motion of any all-time great quarterback that we've ever seen. Greeny and Orlovsky. All right, let, let's, let's then get to what now happens. Because what happens is the Colts need a quarterback. And if I'm a quarterback with options, I look at playing in a dome. I look at that offensive line. I look at Jonathan Taylor behind me. I look at that defense. I look at the coach, Frank Reich, who is super quarterback friendly. That becomes a really attractive place to go. Yeah, I mean, India and San Francisco are the two best places to go for quarterbacks this offseason that are looking for new homes. So I'm going to put myself in Chris Ballard's shoes, their general manager in Indian. Okay. What's the first thing I do? I call Houston, obviously. Now, I don't think Houston is going to trade Deshaun within the AFC. They've made a lot of dumb moves. That would be the, 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 the cap off a bunch of really dumb ones is to keep them in that conference, let alone the division. So I think that's unlikely. Number two, I call Detroit. Where are you with Matthew Stafford? We want Matthew Stafford, right? And I think that I've been outspoken. I think Detroit, it's time for them to move on and, and rebuild everything, retool everything in that organization and Indy is a team that is, is really good quarterback play away from getting into that AFC title game and making that Super Bowl run. Matthew probably has a good three, five years left in his game. Really good play. I mean, we're watching Aaron Rodgers in year, I think, 16. I have arguably his best season ever. And so I call, Matt, I call Detroit and see if I can get Matthew Stafford. And then the third thing would be if, if, if that's, you know, still those two don't happen. I call the Jets and see where they are with Sam Darnold. And that would be kind of the one, two, three that I would go before heading into the draft. I'm with you totally on Stafford. And for those who don't know, 
Uh, Dan played with Matt Stafford for years. You guys, I know you were very close friends. Uh, Stafford is only 32. He'll be 33 next month. So he's younger than I think a lot of people perceive him to be. He, he could be your quarterback another five years. I agree with you completely. If they can find a way to get Stafford, I think that feels like the way to go. Greeny and Orlovsky here on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, let's go to the games uh, this weekend. The Mahomes concussion. What is your sense? And we all know how this is treated differently now. You played not all that long ago, so you're very aware of it. What is your sense of how this thing plays out? As Patrick Mahomes, I have 100% confidence in playing. You know, like, I, I'm going to say something that somewhat controversial, Greeny, as I thought of over. I don't see, like, the massive hit. Like, I've seen concussions before. We all have. I don't see the big hit to the head, and I don't see the jarring hit to the ground. And it makes me think, like, there was some – I'm not a doctor. But there was something else that happened that there's in this this concussion grouping that – you know, that has to be done because it's the, the preservation of player safety and player health. But it doesn't look like to me like this was like, oh, my gosh, what a brutal concussion. So I think he is going to pass, pass protocol. I think that, um, you know, the fact that he got back Monday, and it was encouraging. And then Tuesday, it was encouraging. And he's already started to pass some tests. And Shefty's tweet point to him having the chance, at least, to practice today are super telling. And so I think he's going to play. Um, the bigger thing for me is how he moves with the toe. You know, I've done turf toe twice. It stinks. It is brutal to have turf toe. And so what I think they'll do is they'll give him a shoe that's one size bigger, and they'll put a steel plate in there to make sure that that turf toe doesn't bend. They'll tape it up, and they'll shoot right in the middle of that bone, and he'll be serviceable, and he'll be pretty good. But I want to see the kind of the impact of that toe has on his mobility interesting yeah I mean a lot of us I think sort of forgot about the toe once he went out with the concussion but that could wind up being a big factor in a game and look Dan you know obviously our friend Mr. Hembo he and I did one of our essays on December 11th I went back and looked at it December 11th we did an essay that said the Buffalo Bills are the team with the best chance to beat Kansas City they have the combination of Mm -hmm of things that they do that give them the best chance. So let's say Mahomes does play. How do you see this game? Yeah, I mean, the the big question is going to be how Buffalo's defense stops. It's not just Travis Kelsey. It's Kelsey and Tyreek Hill when they're on opposite sides of the ball. When they put Kelsey by himself and put Tyreek Hill on the other side, inside at that number three slot receiver, Buffalo's defense is going to get stressed. And so how well and how disciplined can they play that against that dynamic offense and then how consistently patient will Patrick Mahomes play if they're going to play with two high safeties now also what's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire health he was obviously a huge huge part in that week six game they're going to need to run the football effectively in this game against the defense that is going to play very patient against them so that'll be a big part and then you know with Buffalo offensively I'm going to say something very similar Josh Allen, week six, when he played against Kansas City, was impatient. He tried to win the golf tournament on Thursday, Greeny, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. you know you can't win it on Thursday, but you can lose it. And it almost seems that way in the first quarter. You can't win in the first quarter, but you can lose it. And his impatience to play boring football, to play small ball, showed up. And so he's going to have to do that like he did against Indy. And then when he does that, it gives Stephon Diggs the opportunity to get into man coverage situations. There's no one in the NFL that has covered him in man coverage this year. And so both quarterbacks playing really disciplined will be a big part of it. Um, 
man, you know, I, I would I would love to sit here and say that I think Buffalo will win this game. This will be a great football game. I don't see any way where Patrick Mahomes loses this game. Um, if he's relatively healthy, I don't see him allowing this, his football team to lose. I, I sort of agree with you. And, and the other thing that I don't see from Buffalo is balance. The, the, the time of possession and ball control and all of that, they didn't run the ball at all this past game yeah. against Baltimore. And I mean that literally. They had zero rushing attempts in the first quarter. Their running backs wound up with nine carries for 29 yards. They can't yep. do that against Kansas City, right? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, it's because because if Kansas City is going to play a patient defense, play two high safeties with Matthew and, and Thornhill back there or Sorensen back there, yeah, you can still throw the ball against that stuff. But it's more difficult, right? And so – when you when the defense commits numbers to the pass game, you as an offense try to win that rep when it comes to your run game. And so Zach Moss, who's really their backup tailback, but a big part for Buffalo being out, you know, has the chance to show itself. Um, Singletary is going to have to carry the load a bit, maybe like some designed quarterback runs. And then the last thing I'd say about the game is this, Greeny, and, and I think everybody knows how highly I think of Josh Allen. I've been on him since week two this year and put him into the MVP conversation, and he obliged. The only like hesitation I have is he's had multiple moments when he gets into that YOLO type of thought process in the fourth quarter, and he gets really aggressive with the football and in the pocket, and it hasn't hurt him. He's had a couple fumbles this year, and it hasn't hurt his football team when it comes to the wins and losses. I, like, I get scared that he's going to try to do something incredibly heroic in that fourth quarter. A fumble happens, and that could swing the ball game. Greeny and Dan Orlovsky with me. You see him every day, 4 o'clock Eastern time on NFL Live on ESPN with Swagoo and Laura and Mina and the whole crew there doing a fantastic job. Let me get you on the NFC game. Aaron Rodgers has only thrown five interceptions in 18 games this season. He threw two of them week six against Tampa. A game that Tampa and their defense and their defensive coordinator Todd Bowles dominated. I have no yeah. doubt you've watched it a hundred times this week. What happened, and why will it be different Sunday? Well, two things. One, they got into third and ten five times in the first half. Green Bay's offense versus Tampa's defense. I don't care if you're playing Staples High School in Westport, Connecticut, <laughs> Green. Like that's not a good recipe, right? And yeah. so a lot of the mistakes were because of poor first and second down. Number two, they're going to have to handle the blitz better. They went into that game and did not have a blitz plan. I said this on Get Up Monday. I expect Matt LaFleur to utilize some perimeter screens if Tampa's going to try to pressure them. But my only caveat with everyone going like, man, Tampa whooped them the first game, is that's not what the tape shows. The tape shows five different plays in the second quarter. There's a throw to Mercedes Lewis down the steam. There's um, a second down in the red zone where they play two man against Rodgers and he doesn't run where there's a huge running lane. There's a throw down the field to Aaron Jones. That's a bang, bang play. And there's two go balls to Devontae Adams that Rodgers doesn't throw. He doesn't see it. Like that game swung in the second quarter more because of Green Bay not executing rather than Tampa Bay doing something. Mm. I am not going to sit here and think that in the NFC title game, and banking on Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay having another uncharacteristic performance. And so I don't see that first game week six as the blowout as a lot of other people do. And I'm banking on Green Bay making those plays that we've seen them make throughout the season 
this weekend. All right. Outstanding. Dan Orlovsky again. You see him every day. Can you sit with me a minute here? Because I'm doing a little history lesson here, and I think you will enjoy yeah. this. Have you got a second okay. for this? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do that in exactly 60 seconds. We will relive today's green list, and we will teach you something about U.S. history. It is all based off of today's inauguration. That is exactly 60 seconds away after this word from NetSuite. If you're a business owner, you don't need us to tell you that running a business is tough, but you might be making it harder on yourself than necessary. Don't let spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. Gives you visibility and control over your financials and HR and so much more. Whether you're doing millions or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash Schedule your free product tour right now. NetSuite.com slash Greeny. That's NetSuite.com slash Greeny. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right. So, Dan, today's Green List, and I usually do a top five. Today I made it a top ten because there were just too many good ones. In honor of the inauguration, these are the top ten people in sports with presidential names. All right. So I'm just going to run through them quickly because I did them earlier today, but I thought you'd like this. Number 10 is Lincoln Kennedy because he's Mm. got he's got it both ways. Right. I mean, he's Lincoln Mm -hmm. and Kennedy. Number nine is Lincoln Riley. Number eight is Earl Monroe. James Monroe was the fifth president of the United States. Number seven is Gary Carter. Six is Vince Carter. Five is Reggie Jackson. Andrew Jackson was the seventh president of the United States. Four is Reggie Bush. Three is our colleague Paul Pierce. Franklin Pierce was the 14th president of the United States. Two is Lawrence Taylor, and number one is Magic Johnson. So all of that is fairly obvious and self-explanatory, and it was meant just to be fun. But then we learned something from Bubba. Lawrence Taylor has a presidential name because Zachary Taylor was the 14th president of the United States, but he only lasted a year. And let's 12th hear, president. Excuse me, the 12th president of the United States, but he only lasted a year. Bubba, tell Dan why. Yeah, back in uh, 1850, on July 4th, having a great time, he consumed copious amounts of raw fruit and iced milk while attending a celebration. So, um, And he died. From yeah, that. after that, Wait. he uh, just got extremely sick, and uh, it was the end of him, and had cholera, and he was dead. So too much uh, raw fruit and too much iced milk. Now, here's the question I have for you, Dan Orlovsky. You, you grew up in this country. I grew up in this country. Both took history. Did you know that? Green. I, I I went to public school in Shelton, Connecticut. There's no chance I knew that. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with going to public school in Shelton, Connecticut. They must, at some point, how could I have lived my entire life and not known that a president of the United States died from eating copious amounts of raw fruit? Yeah. Was, was, was and ice milk. Tolerance or something? This is what I'm saying. This was 1850. I mean, I guess we didn't know about, I don't know, whatever. What, 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 what can you be not tolerant of? And die from eating too much fruit. What would that be? That wouldn't be celiacs. I don't even know what that would be. Yeah, I don't know, but that would be a problem for me because I'm addicted to fruit. I don't drink milk, so I'd survive that one. But the the death over fruit, raw fruit, like, is there something other than raw? Like, do people cook fruit as well? I, I mean, rarely. You can you can cook fruit, right? But 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 generally speaking, all fruit is consumed yeah. raw. I think that's what makes it fruit, Bubba, isn't it? I mean, isn't that what separates fruit from all other things, is that you eat it raw? 
Yeah, well, so the update on old uh, ZT was, um, you know, they, they they actually, immediately after his death, a lot of people thought that he was actually poisoned by pro-slavery Southerners. So there was all these rumors going on for years. They actually ex- exhumed his body in 1991, which is insane. 141 years later, they exhumed his body, and they did all these tests because they wanted to figure out what was going on. The tests came back negative because they thought they were poisoning him. They, they, the tests came back negative. They did not poison him. So it was not poison, and they're sticking with the cholera. And basically what the situation was, in 1850, Washington, D.C. had open sewers. So things were just flowing everywhere, and the fruit and everything you were eating was not exactly clean. clean. Uh And also his doctor did not do him any favors because he didn't really know what he was doing, just loaded him up with drugs, gave him – Epicac, calomel, opium, and he also bled and blistered him, which just sounds terrible. <laughs> and wow. basically they're saying if it was today, he could have just had antibiotics and it would have been fine, but instead he died. So that they, they exhumed his body, Dan, in 1991. I vividly remember 1991. I was covering sports in 1991, and somehow all of this information never made its way to me. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned by this, and I just thought you would find it fascinating. <laughs> The, the more interesting thing part is that Bubba just recited that off the top of his head. He didn't have to Google any of that information. So his recall is, is incredibly impressive about that whole turn of run of events. Yeah, well, that's uh, Avon Public Schools. That's the difference <laughs> there. You there. there you go. ZT and I go way back. Yeah, by the way, his name was Zach Taylor, which if I said that, you would say... Cincinnati Bengals. Exactly. You would say he's now Joe Burrow's coach. All right, I thought you would find that today's little history lesson fascinating. You, my friend, are the best. Thank you. We'll be watching today, 4 o'clock for NFL Live on ESPN. Thank you, Dan. Later, Greeny. You're the best, bud. All right. Bubba, I'm just confounded by this. Again, we wanted to do something a little bit unique today for the inaugural. We understand that, look, I mean, they're inaugurating the vice president and the president right now. And if you're choosing to listen to me on the radio as a result, you you know, you you didn't want to watch or listen to that for whatever reason. Um, But it seemed like we should do something with it today. And so we thought this would be fun. Um, But I I will tell you that I never knew that Zachary Taylor... I knew there was a President Taylor. I'm the one who put together the list. I knew there was a president named Taylor. I had absolutely no idea that he died from consuming copious amounts of raw fruit. Anyway. And iced milk. Why do you keep glossing over the iced milk? I, you know why? Because there's something about the way you say the word milk that is off-putting to me. <laughs> off-putting? I, I just don't like hearing it. Say it. Just say the word again. Milk. And it's spelled how? M I. Okay. Now, give me another word that has uh, milk in it. Like, let's so so you uh, know. Good this, luck with that. Like, okay, so like uh, the people in Scotland, the men will wear a skirt. Do you know what that's called? A kilt. A kilt. So that, that's kilt. It should be pronounced the same way. So why is it a kilt instead of a kelt if it's milk and not milk? Uh, well, this is milk. We're not talking about crazy. Clearly, clearly, I'm not getting to my Kyrie Irving point again because I, I found this this dissection of American history and and your elocution to be more interesting. Anyway, um, thank you, everybody, for spending some time with me. It's obviously an historic day in this country. And let us hope for really wonderful things to come in 2021. The, the tra- peaceful transfer of power in this country is something that we celebrate. It is something that our nation is founded upon. And whether your candidate wins or loses, this is a day of renewal and hope. And let us um, wish the very best to the people who are now in charge of trying to make our lives a whole lot better. So that's 
that's the way we think about it today. Obviously, tons of sports going on. We'll be back tomorrow morning. First thing, talking about it with you. Get up on ESPN. And then right back here, same time, same place, ESPN Radio.